How's working from home been going for you? Remarkably Remote from GoToMeeting will help you succeed in today's new normal. In just three minutes or less, we'll share simple but helpful tips to keep you on track. From managing your motivation, your workload, your relationships, to hosting and attending virtual events that keep you connected with your clients and colleagues. So check out Remarkably Remote on your favorite podcasting platform or head to gotomeeting.com slash tips. Another edition of the Metrospective, Pete McCarthy with Tim Britton. How are you, Tim? Hanging in there, Pete, you know, surviving. I haven't gone for any, like, 16-mile runs like you, but, you know, <laughs> I'm doing okay. Yeah, I went into your neighborhood again the other day. Got to do something to get out of the uh, the apartment here, but uh, fun show. We have a two-time World Series champion with us. Many have called him the greatest defensive first baseman of all time, and, of course, a uh, longtime broadcaster for the New York Mets, Keith Hernandez with us. And uh, Keith, how are you holding up? Everything okay? I'm fine. I never left Florida because, you know, when this all came down, it was spring training and we didn't know how long it was going to be. And I do have my condo down here. So I haven't, you know, other than being self-quarantined like everybody else, um, I'm fortunate where I, you know, I'm not staying like in a hotel or, 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 or a rental. So I've been fine. Staying, staying active, staying busy. What's a day in the life? Uh, I do a lot of reading in the off season. You know, our life, baseball life is six months on and then six months off. So I do a lot of reading. Um, I'd have a bike. I do, uh, I do, you run 16 miles. I do a 15 mile bike ride on the beach road, uh, around five days a week. And, um, I have some exercise stuff here. Um, I've been watching, I hardly watch TV and I've found myself, I've been watching a lot of the Netflix, you know, series and kind of just passing the time and doing 2000 piece jigsaw puzzles. <laughs> with Haji's help, right? Yes, with Haji's help. <laughs> what, what has it been like with, with you, Gary, and, and Ron doing the, the SNY kind of, uh, the MLB The Show games? What's it been like staying in touch with them that way? And I guess practicing your your announcing bona fides once a month that way um i actually think that it was this was well thought out by sny to get us prepared uh to do games without fans uh if we do start in fact on july 1st and get 82 game schedule in half a season um it's gonna be bizarre it's been it's you know it's it's a stimulated game and you know so we'll be doing the real thing. We'll be at the home games, uh, and they'll be in New York, evidently. And but we will not go on the road with them. There'll be no visiting teams traveling, uh, production teams, and announcing teams. So it'll be like the old minor league days when you used to have. You know, it'll be much more sophisticated. We'll have a live feed instead of a five-second delay, when we won't have any of the chimes and the fake the fake cheers. Uh, but we'll, we will. Um, uh, do the visiting games either at the s- studios in SNY in Manhattan or at, at City Field. I'm hopeful that we'll do it at City Field, but it'll be, it's going to be a very bizarre year. Yeah, I was, I was talking to Gary and he was saying that, you know, 
not having fans on the broadcast, there's just certain audio cues that you get from the fan reaction to a play to, to the action going on that it, it was really hard doing that the first time with the video game. Uh, is that the biggest challenge in remote broadcasting? Like, like what are the challenges that that would present for you guys? Well, one thing that with the video game, obviously there's less time in between. They have, they have asked, they, they, they've answered the question how to speed up the game. Unfortunately, it's not real. So uh, what was the most difficult was the speed of the play. There's no in between pitchers, get the ball and throw. There was no commercial break. It went from one inning right into the next. It kind of, it, it's, it's not rhythmic. Now what happens when the season starts I mean, we're not going to have a delayed feed. We're going to have a live feed. So we're going to be right there on top of the action live. Uh, Gary mentioned, and I, the most important thing for him, because he, he's play-by-play, play, is that sometimes on TV you lose the fly ball in the outfield. We're not on the field. You know, I always look at the monitor uh, as the pitcher winds up. And as he throws the ball, the ball's halfway home. I want to see right at the point of contact. I want to see the pitch. So I know what the pitch was. I want to know if it was a good pitch. But as soon as the hitter swings and makes contact, I switch my view to the field to see where the ball's going and what's going on in the players in the field. We're not going to have that luxury uh, when we're broadcasting when the team's on the road and we're not there. So we're, we're going to be really relying on the directors and how they present the game. Uh, we'll be watching the same game as the fans will be watching. How important is it that you guys have worked together before? Like, could you imagine if you didn't have the chemistry with Gary and Ron and now you lose eye contact? I got to think that that's something that's nice to fall back where you know, okay, this is generally where Ron's going to pick up a point rather than you. Um. Well, we will be in person together. I don't know how they're going to do our social uh, you know, distancing in the booth. They're going to have to find a room where we're apart. Uh, I don't know how they're going to do that. And everything's so up in the air. Uh, I do know that Ron's in Florida up in St. Lucie. I'm here in Juneau Beach and Gary's in Connecticut. And we do those simulated games. I can't, Ronnie and I have a kind of a, we have a, a, an inane sense that I know when Ronnie's going to talk and I, we don't step on each other very much. We're kind of used to that. We don't have that luxury, but I think that we'll be, it'll be interesting. It's just such un, uncharted waters we're going through. And it's going to be such a, uh, you know, historic season in so many, so many ways. Yeah. Like as, as a, a player, how would you prepare differently for 82 games versus 162. What would be different about how you approach that season going into it? Well, basically, the, what was it? 81 was the strike year. Mm -hmm. And at that point, it was the longest strike in any professional sport history. Uh, and it took away, was in the middle of the season. And we season was cut, was cut in half, first and second half. So I don't think it's going to have that kind of effect on the players. Um, they're in better shape. Uh, they keep themselves together, obviously. I know that when we went on strike that year, I got in the car with the kids and um, went up to the, uh, drove up to Yellowstone and got back right around a week before the strike ended. So I didn't pick up a bat, but um, I picked it up real quick. But these guys will be ready. 
and I don't think it'll have any effect. Do worry about the pitchers. I'm glad that they settled on 82 games, not playing into October. Uh, let's just get eight. If it starts on July 1st, that's the key. Then you can get a normal half a season at 82 games without having double headers um, and putting a stress and strain on the pitching staff. That, that would be my, my, my main concern. And the players playing, they were going to schedule evidently a lot of double headers. You know, uh, how are the players going to hold up? Because you can stay in all the best shape you can be, uh, you know, and, but there's no substitute to spring training to getting out there. People always kind of say, really? But standing out in the field for nine innings and you're only out there for a half inning, that builds your stamina to play, and that wears you out. If you have a real long inning or a game where it's 10, 10 runs scored and you're, out in the, you're on the losing side and you're out in the field in the, hot, in the heat, they're going to come back in hot weather. Mm-hmm. It's going to be July. It's going to be smoking. So um, it'll, we'll, we'll, we'll see how they, how they hold up. I'm, I'm just worried about the IR, as they call it now. Is, is it going to be really um, – a hospital ward. You think it's a good idea overall to to try this, to try to make baseball work in the midst of this pandemic? I think so. I think, you know, I don't, I know what you guys, and I know what I read in the papers. Um, people want to, people want a baseball. They, whether it's on TV, they'll be satisfied. Um, they're not going to, we're not going to have fans in the stadium unless they find an antidote. So, uh, and even if they do, um, who knows when they're going to open it up to the, to the fans, but they're going to be able to watch on TV. Uh, the big thing is how do the players, you know, you talk about players getting in shape. How's the second half? How's it going to affect them? I mean, I played in Candlestick Park when you had three, 4,000 people there in a freezing cold night and the Giants were terrible in the 70s. And I played in New York in the late 80s and when the Mets at Chase Stadium had four or 5,000 people in the stadium and you had you know, you're coming from parks where you're playing in front of 30, 40, 50,000 people, and you had to find ways to get it up, get, to get yourself up for those games and that series. What's going to happen when there's no fans and there's no reaction? And I think the players are going to realize, I think, after this, and it, also the announcers, I think we're pretty much prepared, you know, how important the fans are. They're, they're a part of the excitement of the game, their reaction. Uh, and it feeds into the players, and uh, I know we fed off of it in, in New York. The fans we always felt in the '80s were our our tenth man at the stadium. They just revved us up. It's not going to be there. It's going to be just silence. It'll be it'll be interesting. <laughs> I'm, I just hope we can get it in. How, how do you look at how how the Mets might do in half a season? versus the full 162 like how do you think they're prepared compared to some other teams to deal with this weird season well i think it'll be it'll be the teams it'll be like opening day in in in, uh, late march now if you've got the talent it's just the season's been postponed your players are ready if you've got the horses i think you'll be ready to go um if you're a second division team, I mean, you could be, you know, out of it quick. So, uh, you know, it's not going to be a full season where you might have a good second half and you can't afford to have 
to get off to a, to a hard start, a tough start. I think they were talking about, you know, 60 games. I, I was thinking Gary mentioned that 60 games would be a sprint, would be kind of interesting because we'd never had it before. And every game would be important. But if a team got off to a tough start, you know, a team that's a good team, uh, they may not be able to recover. I think in 80 games they can. So um, to me, if come July 1st there's a problem, um, then I'm going to start worrying about baseball season. Tim, are you a morning person? Are you a guy who gets up, attacks the day? No. No, I am <laughs> no. not. <laughs> well, I think I have a, a thing for you. Now, I'll often hit the coffee and that'll get me going. But I'm reading about here hydrant. So, you know, 75% is walking around dehydrated. We don't have what we need. It can leave you with headaches, energy sumps, poor, poor focus. Like when I go on my runs and then I, you know, I'm dehydrated the rest of the day. Uh, but you can have hydrant in the morning. It, it hydrates you. It gets you going. Uh, basically, it's flavored electrolyte packets that you mix directly into water. It makes hydrating your body easy and delicious. Now, I haven't had a chance, an opportunity yet to try Hydrant. Just made the order, uh, but I'm looking forward to diving into this, get out of the caffeine habit, uh, mix it up. So uh, I'll be telling you how how it goes here with Hydrant, uh, but certainly excited about getting some of the electrolytes that you need and and not doing it with a ton of unhealthy sugars. Uh, So listen, for Listeners here to the Metrospective, you can get 25% off your first order. Go to drinkhydrant.com, enter promo code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's drinkhydrant.com, promo code ATHLETIC for 25% off your first order. Again, drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code ATHLETIC. What do you think about the universal DH? And The Mets are built for it at the very least. <laughs> Uh, certainly will help Cespedes in that lineup. Absolutely. Uh, I have never been a proponent of it. And it looks like, unfortunately, if they're going to okay it, I mean, the players, I don't think have a real, uh, I can't speak for them, but a real sense of history. And uh, I'm just, they're just, it's a generational thing. I mean, I grew up with the pitcher hitting. I always liked, I think your manager has to manage more. There's so much more things that go on in a game late with a pitcher in the lineup. Um, You know, he's the joker in the deck. And um, I just, I think that after this year, since they've located, I think I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if it's going to be taken in for the the rest. It'll be in the National League from this point on. Unfortunately. As a traditionalist, the way you are, and I think the way Pete and I are too, uh, how how damaging is that? Do you think to the the National League brand? Is it? Do you think fans care enough about it anymore, or or is it just kind of well, this was bound to happen anyway? I don't. I think the fans want action. They want. Uh, they like home runs. You know, the game's just so much different. You, you watch the uh, SNY's been showing the '86 playoffs in the World Series, and then MLB Network has been showing past World Series. And it was just a different brand of baseball. It wasn't, you know, uh, get two men on and hope for the three-run home run or a Weavers type of game, which was the old American League. Um, I, I, I like speed. I like hitting and running. I like the threat of a stolen base. You know, I like going first to third. I like guys being able to score on a double from first. Those are exciting plays. 
the home run's a home run to me. And if it's, it's fine, but if it's too much, you know, then it gets boring. And then there you got the strikeouts and then you've got the three, two counts. And then you got so many walks that add on to three and a half hour games. Remarkably. Yeah. And that's part of it. Have you been watching these classic games? I have. I, I watched the 82 Cardinals uh, on MLB. I'm down here. And believe it or not, I'm blacked out because of the Marlins. And um, I'm up within 100 miles of Miami. And you can't watch. It's not even baseball, so I can't get SNY. So I haven't been able to watch. But you watch MLB Network. You have that. And you watch some of those classic yeah, games that are on. Even uh, Fox. I saw they had Yankees, Red Sox, uh, 2004 ALCS. I I've, I've seen so many games. <laughs> I've got, uh, you know, I, 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 read, I read the articles in the paper and stay abreast of what the situation is. And um, I, I, if they had old, old games, like, uh, you know, when I was a kid, you know, show the 61, 60, 64. I saw they had Don Larson's perfect game on MLB Network. Yeah, I mean, week. I would watch the 67 World Series. I'd, I'd watch the 66, 65. That's when I was a kid growing up and, and – uh, but not 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 the games that I was a, an adult and saw. I have no desire, except the ones, except the Mets in the in the card. <laughs> yeah, I was, was going to ask yourself: is is there a game from your career that is like your favorite to go back and rewatch? Um, I have not gone back and rewatched, and I have them on on. Believe it or not, I have them on VHS, and I've got to get them off of there and get them on uh, on a disc uh, before they go bad. But the greatest game I ever played in was game six in Houston in the playoffs mm-hmm. in 86. That was the greatest uh, game I ever, ever played in. That six was 16 innings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had a thought this week I was watching. It was game one of that NLCS against the Astros. I'm like, how great would it be if you could get you, Ron, and Gary to go back and call those games? And oh. the stories of that you and Ron could share in the moment as you're watching yourself play and remembering this and that. I saw you arguing with the, the umpire in game one on a look like a, a bad call on a Mike Scott outside fastball and just, you know, it would bring all that stuff back and then it would connect it for, you know, people like yeah. Tim and I are a little younger that, Hey, you know, Keith Jackson's kind of cool to listen to do play by play with Tim McCarver, but obviously we have more of a connection with Gary Keith Ron calling the games. And we, Ronnie and I, would really be able to bring tremendous insight into that game. I didn't think of that. That's not. A, that's a, that's a pretty good idea, actually. That would have been fun to do that. Uh, but would Ronnie and I be able to be give a biased? No, you broadcast? be bi- biased as hell. Unbiased I mean, that would broadcast. be the fun. <laughs> you, you mean you've always wanted to have one of those biased broadcasts? Just bring it to bring it to eighty six. You'd be like, oh, this is where Mike Scott was taking out the knife or uh, whatever he's doing out there. Oh, that's, that's all I need is Phil, Phil Mushnick in the post to, 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 to be start getting right writing about me. That's all I need. So uh, we are not allowed. I, I always felt this. You know, listen, I, I want the Mets to win. I mean, come on. And we're just we have to give a non partial. Uh, and a lot of people don't understand it, and um, you have to kind of explain it to them. And I would love to root for the home team, and I do, uh, but you know, we're just not allowed. We we'll get, we'll get crucified in the papers. Yeah, you're not, no Hawk Harrelson uh, shenanigans going on in the booth. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. There's a lot of provincial uh, uh, broadcasts in the, out, out in that Midwest. 
I was wondering, with going back to, to this year's Mets, what are what are you most excited to watch with the 2020 team? Is it seeing what DeGrom can do another year? Is it seeing what Alonzo grows into? Is there some other aspect of this team that you're, when you think of what you're going to be talking about start of July, what is it that gets you a little more excited? Well, I love the lineup, and uh, I like to watch the progress of the players. I mean, DeGrom has already reached stardom. Um Conforto has developed into a power hitter. I always felt that he had a chance to lead the league in hitting, and now he's a real power, basically a power hitting guy. Uh, but to watch the progression of the players as rookies, as they get better and better, they stick around. They they're going they have to get improve. Um, I've loved to watch. Uh, I'll be watching the progress of Rosario. I think he's made great strides. I think he's a really good player and he's been hustling like mad for the last year and a half. He's been busting and he's really made great strides. I want to see him improve. I think he can, he'll get better with experience. Uh, McNeil and, and Bam Bam. I mean, Alonzo, you gotta, you gotta see what they're going to do. Um, and I think, uh, I think McNeil is something special. I think that uh, he might be next to Pete Rose one of the most uh, focused players uh, every at bat that I've ever encountered. I mean, Pete Rose is number one. Now, Pete Rose did it over 20 years. Can Jeff do it over 20 years? Well, he certainly did it last year and the, the half a season he played the year before. And I have no doubt that it'll carry on this season, but I want to see his progress. And let's see what, you know, you can't expect um, Pete hit 50 home runs. That's a lot of home runs. Okay. It's this, this, if he does, oh my gosh, it'll be incredible. Uh, so uh, if he hits 30, it's a big year. So it'd be interesting to see what the ball is this year. Uh, the ball was a little bit electric last year and, uh, but not taking either way, anything away from P he still had to hit him. 52 is incredible. You can remember that, uh, George Foster hit 52 in the mid 70s and he was the first guy to do it since Willie Mays did it in like 1961 or 1960 I believe so it's not an easy thing to do and uh, I think for people to have those kind of expectations uh, it's it's a little bit of a stretch but I still feel he's going to be a 30 40 home run guy driving over 100 runs he's got real good discipline at the plate I'm very impressed with that He's very, very disciplined. So those three guys I'll be watching. I think they're the young guys. They're the, they're, they're, they're the core, well, part of the core of this team. And uh, with Cespedes in the lineup of the DH, he can play. Uh, and it's a very formidable lineup, power, speed, and they have good left, right, left, right balance. And with bringing in a reliever now when you got to face three batters, if you have a staggered lineup, you bring in a lefty to face McNeil and we got Alonzo behind him, or, you know, then you can't take the lefty out. I don't agree with that rule. I think it's fine up to the seventh inning. I think from the seventh, eighth and ninth, let the managers manage. But the first through six innings, you want to put that rule in fine, but let the manager manage it from the, when the game's on the line, the seventh, eighth and ninth inning. There's a lot there. I want to go back to Jeff McNeil, though. I'm sure you don't compare anybody to Pete Rose 
lightly. What no. you talked about his focus is that what you think separates Jeff McNeil and and maybe what scouts might have missed on him because clearly I mean the hand eye coordination bat to ball ability it's it's all it's through the roof. He is also you know for me I always took a first pitch the first time up and I hit every every at bat I just wanted to get a gauge on the pitcher. He doesn't need that. I think golf has helped him too. I think that uh, you're, you're focused. Uh, he's just got tremendous concentration. Number two, he wouldn't be able to do this if he didn't have a good eye. He has a tremendous eye at the plate, knowledge of the strike zone. I mean, if, if he swung at bad pitches, at first ball, it doesn't matter if it's a breaking ball or a fastball. He's, if he likes it, he'll, he's on it a lot. But he doesn't swing a bad. They throw him a bad pitch in the dirt. He doesn't swing. He doesn't chase very often. So that's his. That's a big plus for him. I mean, uh, what's his name? Uh, oh gosh, Pulhos told me about two strike hitting. He asked Stan Musial, "What's the key to, to being a good two strike hitter?" And Stan Musial said, "A great knowledge of the strike zone." And I agree. How would you compare, let's say, McNeil's style to Daniel Murphy? when he was coming through are they similar in your mind and then i tend to think that mcneil could do similar to what murph did and he has such great ability to make contact he can start pulling the ball and hit 20 plus home runs and maybe not give up a lot on his average uh well the second half he had power last mm-hmm. year now compared to murphy murphy swung at a lot more bad pitches was more of a, of a free swinger and murphy got better and got a good eye at the plate he figured it out McNeil's already there. Now McNeil's a little bit older, mm-hmm. obviously, and he's not 21 years old, 22 years old, breaking in as a rookie. You know, he's his mid to late, uh, mid 20s, middle of his 20s. Uh, but in that respect, seeing someone come up, I think he's well advanced of anybody I've ever seen come up on a first year in the big leagues, first year and a half. It's really remarkable. He's something special. I really, I, I, I don't see see him losing his edge. He's even you walk around him in the clubhouse. He's still he's very tunneled and focused. You go up and try to talk to him. I stop bothering him before a game because he's just in this zone, and I don't want to. I'm an ex player. I understand. Let's leave him alone. Let him do his routine. Let him do his prep. How how hard is it as a player to maintain that kind of focus for? eight months, you know, for spring training for 162 games to be locked in for every one of those plate appearances, the way it seems he is. Well, you can do it. The key is when you a veteran and you've got five, six years under your belt to be able to get when you're 30, 29, 30, 32, and you've already got eight, you got seven, eight years under your belt to maintain that level. It's, easy to get maybe a little soft um they get paid a lot of money you know that's a big factor how does someone keep his focus and you know pete rose was able to do that um but he you know later in pete's career he had the great uh incentive he was chasing ty cobb and four thousand something special you know for and then uh four thousand hits i mean so he had something to keep him rolling um, it'll be interesting to see. There's a lot of human elements in it. You play for the same team. I know when I got, you can get stagnant. When I got traded to the Mets, 
um, it gave me kind of a new shot in the arm, a new challenge. So it's a lot of variables. And we're all humans, and um, we'll just see. That's the beauty of being able to watch these guys. And uh, I just think that Jeff um, is going to be able to maintain uh, that focus. You talked about that young core coming up, Rosario, McNeil, Alonzo. Does that remind you at all of, of the Mets when you got there in 83 and, and, and into 84 and 85, starting to accumulate some of those pieces and, and getting ready to build toward uh, that, that 86 championship team? Well, it was different. Um, this team, it's all basically their offense and that are the young core that you're building. With us, it was, you know, Darling, Doc, Sid, then David Cohn, um, Aguilera. Uh, so we have all these young guys developing in our, in our starting rotation. These are guys that are out there every day. They're everyday players. So uh, that's that's the difference there. Um, but still, it, it 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 has parallels for sure. Attitude a little different. Well, <laughs> different times. <laughs> You know, different times. Everything's a little softer today. <laughs> well, the T-shirt game is strong with Keith Hernandez, and uh, we, we appreciate you coming on. You got the Frank the Tank T-shirt. I do, and it says <laughs> Frank the Tank, yes. I saw the Show Me Your Kitties uh, a few weeks back. My wife liked yeah. that one. Haji's <laughs> somewhere in the house here. He's, well, I can't. He's He just got fed. He's probably out in the on the balcony over there somewhere. Wow. But anyway, it was great, and hopefully we'll have baseball on July 1st, and uh, we'll get things back to normal and people back to work and get past this. This is awful. No doubt That's about what it. we're all hoping for. Well, glad you're healthy, Keith, and uh, we look forward to seeing you on the broadcast soon. Wonderful. All right, guys. My pleasure. <laughs>